Let us pray. O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved, in quietness and confidence shall be our strength. By the might of your Holy Spirit, lift us, we pray, to your presence, where we may be still and know you are God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Two summers ago, Sadie and I had the opportunity to go to Montana, where I worked at the cathedral in Helena. We drove there and back across country, and we got to see the most beautiful places. And we, of course, saw a lot of wilderness in our, in our trip out west. The most stark desert wilderness that we saw was in Yellowstone Park. And on our way home from there, we had to travel across Wyoming, and we drove across vast stretches of a desert wilderness where there was nothing but barren land and clear sky and white light and no gas stations. <laughs> Have you ever been lost in the wilderness? Today's readings are about living in the desert or living in the wilderness. In the Old Testament lesson, God is speaking to the Israelites as they are wandering about in the desert after the exodus from Egypt. The people had seen his signs and miracles in Egypt, and he did get Pharaoh's attention. And then they walked through the parted Red Sea. But on the other side of the water, they began to have second thoughts. Their lives had been reset. And they were frightened by the unknown and the seeming impossibility of their lives in the desert. They switched to survival mode and began to worry and question. They worried about what they would eat and drink, and they began to question God and his goodness and his plan and his provision. And so they became lost in the wilderness. Even though they had his light by day, and his, I mean, his light by night and his cloud by day, they got so wrapped up in their everyday circumstances that they could not see where they were going. They could not see their destination, and they could not even see the presence of God. Have you ever been lost in the wilderness? The wilderness or desert can be put upon us. There are circumstances or events that are in fact a reset of our lives. By that I mean our lives may be moving merrily along in one direction and then suddenly it is reset, redirected. It can be due to the loss of someone we love, the loss of a job, or it can be the slow growing reset precipitated by a chronic illness or an addiction or the recession or an economic downturn. Any of these and all of these can cause a reset in our lives. And then one day you finally realize it. You stand up and you finally look around and you see that your life has forever changed from where it was and from where you thought it was going. 
You have found yourself in the desert. Now, there are lessons we can learn from the desert. First, we learn that being a child of God does not alleviate all pain and suffering on earth. We come to see with stark clarity that pain and suffering is unfortunately part of this world and indeed all of creation. Also, we begin to see that pain and suffering seems to be some way, in some way intertwined with salvation. When we are in the desert, we come to personally understand that our spiritual wholeness before God came through the pain and suffering of Jesus in his passion and on the cross. And so we, like the Israelites, eventually learned what can be a very hard lesson, that being the child of God is sometimes, oftentimes, wrapped up in pain. But we also learn that spiritual growth and wholeness can come from pain and loss as we wander through the deserts of our own lives. We also eventually learn that just as God was in the desert with the Jewish people, he is with us in our sufferings and our temptations. Take a moment and really think about what that means. One way to think about it is the way that he came into the world. What if Jesus had come as a king or a chief priest or a leader living in Jerusalem? Can you imagine him pre preaching his lessons to the poor and outcasts and sinners and sick from the luxury of such a position and then returning home to a palace of comfort Royals, kings and queens, these are not the people who inspire us. We love to watch them though, don't we? I've, I will confess, I did get up on the morning of Princess Diana and Charles's wedding when I was a child to watch them. I love to watch them too, but they are not the people who inspire us. These are people of another world. Kings and queens and, chief, and the chief priests of Jerusalem, they can see and say, oh, those people are poor in spirit. Oh, those people are poor in money. Maybe we ought to do something about that. But we do not trust that they know what it means to actually have stones for bread. The people that truly inspire us are the ones who have been there. Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, and I'm sure lots of people that we know locally whose names are not known to the world. There are people who have spent time in the desert, and most importantly, so has our Lord. After his time in the desert, Jesus forever left behind the safe job of carpentry, along with his family and his friends and his place in Nazareth. He left them in order to become a wandering minister, relying on the provision of God, often in the places of the wilderness. Out of his time in the desert sprang his wonderful ministry to the lost, the poor, the sick, and the sinner. And thankfully, this man Jesus was one of us. I don't know about you, but when I'm looking for comfort and compassion, the best place I have found it is from folks who have been there. 
They may not have the same issues that I have had, but it is clear that they have spent some time in the desert. The call of a Christian is not to sunshine and rainbows, at least not this side of heaven. No, on this side of heaven, there is pain and suffering, and Jesus saw it. He knows that sometimes we do get stones instead of bread. And in those flashes of the kingdom and the cities of the world, Satan probably saw all the wealth and the buildings and the people that he could conquer. But I tend to believe that Jesus instead looked at all of those kingdoms and the cities and the people with eyes of love and compassion. And he saw the pain and the suffering that he came to eternally eradicate. He saw the seeds of the new creation and he saw the foundation of the new Jerusalem. So Lent is our invitation to the wilderness to look at our lives in the greater reality, to purposefully reset our lives to come into the wilderness where it is just ourselves and God and the demons within us. In the desert, we live in stark openness of the terrain and to the heavens. It is where choices are made in the clarity of the brightest lights, the deepest silence, and the most stark existence. There are no cushy comforts. There are no distractions of people or places and things. There is no artificial light, only the lights of God, the sun above and the moon as well. And always remember that there are deadly snakes in the wilderness. Just as in the days of Jesus, Satan and his temptations are right there, hoping to get us in our time of weakness. <coughs> Desert mothers and desert fathers were aesthetics, hermits who would go to live in the desert to be with God, and we can too. We can go in our rooms and shut the door. We can create spaces for silence, of silence for prayer and study. We can create spaces of silence to be with God, to relish his presence in our life. We can take a break from our everyday circumstances to step into the greater reality that surrounds all of creation. Deserts can be a place of wandering and hurt, but when we turn to God and be with him there, just him and us, a desert can be a place of healing and eventually, hopefully, a springboard for our own ministry. So if you're not already in the desert, I invite you to be there. I invite you to a time of prayer and fasting and introspection and study, to experience the presence of God and to look upon his great light. Let him lead you through your desert until he finally brings you home. Amen.